thyself is dedicated to the exploration of the most rewarding task an individual can ever embark on, the journey to find oneself. Our intention is to investigate the universal principles that have equipped our species to seek the treasure of all treasures, self-knowledge. With your host, Daniel and Eduardo, this is the Know Thyself Podcast. Good deal. We're good to go, man. All right, my man. Awesome. Thank you for letting us do this as a round two. Oh, absolutely. So I can't wait to talk about this on on the episode. So, well, first and foremost, we ready? We ready. Cool. Welcome to the Know Thyself Podcast. I'm here with Daniel. Hello. And I am Eduardo. Um, yeah, man. As you were just saying, uh, Daniel was just thanking me for doing this as a round two. And so before we get started with our topic today, Daniel and I already had recorded this episode, which was so great because we did the episode and the episode that we're talking about right now is the high priestess card. And it was such a, it was such an interesting lesson because when I was finished with the recording, Daniel took off, I did the edit for the the episode and I went to produce it and I was editing all the, these parts. And one of the things you'll learn about that's pretty great about the high priestess card is we, we t- it talks about uh, passivity and it talks about learning about going within and that if you take action too quick, you know, without really going within it, you know, w- w- it doesn't really have a purpose if you're not really having that, that space. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, like the high priestess in this regard with that saying, we, we went at it so fast and so quick, but also with a lot of energy and not impulsivity, but sort of this sort of, I don't know how to explain it. So I called Daniel, uh, him and I have kind of different schedules, um, doing different things. So I left him a voicemail and the voicemail was basically about, Hey, can we re-record this? I hope it's okay. We try to keep our episodes, you know, weekly, but we also consider you the listener. Um, and again, if you're new, welcome, please go back to some of these episodes. So you know what I'm talking about. And if you're continuing on this journey, thank you. Um, but yeah, what was crazy is Daniel calls me maybe what, a couple days later. I think I think it was the next morning. Was it the next you know, morning? Because we're usually pretty quick on like getting that thing up. Yeah. Right. So I think it was the next morning. And so I thought he was calling me because he heard the voicemail. I thought he was like, hey, you know, maybe Eduardo um, you know, is right. Maybe we should re record this or maybe we should give this another listen and, and figure out is this really the episode we want to put out. But he didn't listen to the voicemail just yet. He called me to tell me exactly what I told him. It's like right. we should go back and do this again. It just didn't sit well with me, which was just so powerful as a friend of mine and my best friend here, who I can only talk to about this kind of stuff, um, he knew exactly what I meant. And what's interesting about this is that with, you know, breaking down these symbols in uh, the tarot or the tarot, you know, you have this deep knowledge that you want to kind of pull out from the imagery. But I just feel like, there was so much more that, that wasn't said that could have been said to kind of explain why the hype was so much. And I feel like it's kind of like, and I'm not going to compare this exactly like this. It's just an example. But when I look at the Tarot, I think of not necessarily like a Rorschach, but it's like if you have this unconscious uh, information, you can just kind of go out and be like, that's what this is. This is what it represents. This is what it means without kind of giving 
the person you're describing this image to more context about why you might be feeling that way. Like I think you would have, and I've never been, you know, in front of someone who's analyzing me with a Rorschach, but I feel like if they were to, they would say, okay, well, I know where you're coming from. I know your personality. I know where, and then you can kind of piece together what the images are doing for you. And instead I just felt like, it's like if I just sat with someone who didn't even know me and I was just like, this is what it represents and this is what I feel. And I'm so excited to kind of say it. And for me, I have affirmation from Daniel because I was like, no, I hear what you're saying. But for the listeners, I was kind of like, oh man, I kind of like, I personally felt like I went over it. And then I also felt like I interrupted you quite a bit when I was doing the edits. There was like these moments where Daniel's like, and then let's bring up this subject. And then I was just ready because like, yes, this is what I was feeling during that episode or during that, the studying of uh, the leading up to this episode. And so it was kind of just like a closed uh, one-to-one conversation, even though that's what the podcast is. It's a conversation between the two of us, but I just felt like I neglected a lot of other things that we needed to, to go over. So my bad, dude, I felt like it was really my fault, but it was kind of funny. You called me and you're like, Hey, can we just do that again? I was like, my man. Well, it's so funny. Cause I was reflecting on my own information and I was just like, Hey, you know, I didn't really condense anything. It was, it was just like, we were kind of just, just like touch and go, touch and go. And what we're going to learn is you can't just touch and go, right? You know, this is a full immersion that kind of comes with this study, especially the high priestess, you know, and we talked about it, you know, and there was a lot of great information that we did bring up. And so, you know, we, we did talk about doing this as a two-part episode and totally. I think we will, because I think what we'll do is we'll release this and then go back to make sure that we covered some of those great things. Cause I thought you brought up amazing information in Thanks, that man. last one. Um, I think, I think we were feeling that Aries energy finally, yeah. you know, cause we did actually have some planets coming out of Pisces at that moment. And so I think we were just kind of feeling this explosion of consciousness, but that's not how you meet the high priestess. It's not mm. through the active conceptual thought. And that's, what's so fascinating, even the process of studying this, because not only did we do this episode twice, this is being the second time, but we actually delayed it a little bit. You know, we're usually pretty consistent on meeting with each other on Thursdays. And, you know, we, we kind of push that one back. And it is so interesting because even studying and preparing for this episode, something happens when you start studying the high priestess. Yeah. You go somewhere. It's totally. not that, you know, it's not that active concentration. It's not that active penetrating thought. It's this internal immersion that happens. And you're not on a linear timeline when you're dealing with the high priestess because she's not on a linear timeline. You know, she's always waiting for us and we'll talk about that, but you don't approach it like you can approach the magician card or really much of the other cards in this tarot where you can actually study them. You know, it's not this conceptual linear understanding. It's this holistic, intuitive introspection that kind right. of happens with this. And and when you start studying the high priestess, she starts pulling up your past. She starts pulling up what she needs you to see. You know, you're not on your timeline here. You're on this universal mother timeline. And it's really, really beautiful. But we um, we felt her ramifications because we weren't comfortable with that episode, you know? And, and that's happened before. But usually the next morning we go and listen to it and we're like, oh, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. Like that was, that was fine. That was great. But this time we both just had this intuitive feeling. Oh yeah. And she was, she was just like, be patient, 
be patient. And what's crazy, sorry, but the, the, like, again, the fact that you didn't, we didn't talk about it. Um, you know, you didn't get my, my message. So again, when you called me, I was like, oh, he got the message. I wonder what he's going to say about this. And again, we never do this. Uh, we hardly ever go back and listen to our episodes. I mean, I have to listen to it because I'm the one that will go back and edit before producing the, the, the episode. And I'm always like, oh, I should have just, you know, and I know I have like, you know, uh, plenty of time to go through and, and run through everything, but we like to keep it as organic as possible. And this is the okay. first of many episodes that we've done that it just kind of was like, no, 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 right. no, no, <laughs> you need no, to go no. back. I'm like, yes. okay, Absolutely. all right. <laughs> go back to the source. Yeah. Right. And that's, what's so beautiful about this. Um, and so, you know, with this non-linear, non-conceptual understanding you know, we could just be upfront about it. And maybe that's what we didn't do is enough of a disclaimer is like, hey, we're dealing with water here. It's got its own mental, it's got its own expression. You know, it's got its own characteristics mm -hmm. that are very unique. And yeah. that's kind of what we're, what we're kind of looking at. And again, when you're dealing with water, one of the things we brought up last time was the amount of how water is always teaching us new lessons. And that was a really unique thing to kind of be, you know, kind of meditating on prior to this. But we were, again, the, the mother made the universe and our five sense reality, the classroom on this, because it did. This water taught us this new lesson. And we were bringing that up last time. You know, we were talking about this, this understanding of like, you know, we, this, this interesting element that we're approaching here, you know, because we talked about with the magician card, we really were talking about that fire of consciousness. And and you can, you can study fire. You can see its characteristics, right? And it's got this warming aspect. It's got this illuminating aspect. Actually, fire brings light to the darkness. And so there's so much that you can see, and there's so much that you can kind of connect to. And as you're studying the magician card, there's linear understanding there, and there's conceptual thought. You're really dealing with that left side of the brain, where this, this water in this more sacred feminine aspect that we're kind of connecting here is going to be a little different. Now there's unique benefits to meeting this element on this journey, right? Because we, we spoke about the idea that, you know, fire is great. It creates warmth. It generates energy, right? But at no point can you like embrace the fire, you know, you embrace the fire for a second with your hand and your hand might never be the same. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, that's so counter to this element of water, which we can actually truly immerse ourselves in, fully in our body, fully in ourselves. And that's actually the only way you can learn this lesson. But again, it's not like form. You know, you think about the idea of like, how do you learn water? It's through splish splash. It's mm -hmm. through experience. And it's always bringing in new insight new introspection, and mostly it's going to bring in this unique reflection that's going to really kind of be the the kind of the big focus that we're going to be looking at. But, you know, pro surfers, they wipe out, mm -hmm. right? We talk about fisher, like some of the greatest sailors in the world get lost at sea. There's so much mystery and what we don't understand about water. And we think about it just in our physical aspects, what happens when you get too comfortable with water? You know, it always comes back to teach you a unique lesson, whether it's, oh, I held my breath too long and that was scary, or, you know, this boiling water that I use to make my coffee every day. 
Well, I wasn't actually like aware of it and I wasn't giving it respect. Right. So today I burnt my hand by putting the boiling water into the tea kettle. You know what I mean? Like there's, it's always asking for our awareness in this understanding of it, but it's always bringing in new lessons, you know? Um, and it's always going to kind of be that way. But this idea that we can actually submerge ourselves in this is exactly how we pull the information from this. Because you can't just study the surface of water because the mystery is really in its depths, mm-hmm. in its depthness. And this is a mystery of all mysteries, which is the human soul and the, and the psyche and that subconscious aspect of ourselves. And that's what we're really going to be approaching today is this is this unique mystery that kind of comes with this card and everything that that mystery entails. And one of the most beautiful things about it is it's beyond word, like articulation, you know, it can't be really expressed in like a conceptual thought. We're going to do our best to splish splash with the water together. And I love being at this pool party with you, but it's got a forever lesson. You know, does that make sense? Absolutely, man. Well said. I mean, last time we talked, it's kind of what you were alluding to and i was sort of doing um you know it kind of felt like if we're going to stay on the metaphor or the understanding of of water it felt like i was like look i found this body of substance and every time i ran back to come show you i would like try to hold it in my hand and then it runs through my fingertips that's something you said last time and i was like that, that totally makes sense but by the time i got to you i'm like Ah, oh, I was in my hand. Like I would have to take you there and let you experience it yourself. So it'd be a lot more, um, you know, uh, uh, of a personal understanding you would have to have versus me trying to explain to you and how to, you know, contain this 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 element. Um, and so that's something that I really thought was just you know really powerful that you brought up last time because I'm like yeah that that makes complete sense you know and, and like you said it's not as easy to just like stay on the surface you have to go deep and I think that's the whole idea of the even when we do with the podcast is talking about the unconscious and and even the high priestess brings up these these mysteries and the darkness that it comes with but you know you this is a podcast yeah. like we're trying to talk we're trying to explain this but it's it's such an interesting like my 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 utmost most respect to the high priestess because she's oh. kind of like, oh, and I want yeah. to see how you're going to contain this. Yeah. How are you, what kind of container are you going to put me in? Because I could tell you how big the ocean is and take a cup and take a little bit of that water. I'd be like, okay, just imagine this, but bigger. And you're like, uh-huh. well, how big? I'm like, right, bigger. And you're like, right. well, you'd have to go there again. And and even if you went there, your own lung capacity wouldn't allow you to go to the depths. Right. I mean, like you were saying last time, you know, the ocean itself, back to this metaphor, is, is one of the, you know, the many things that we haven't really uncovered, unfolded on this planet. And we have all this technology, and yeah, we've gone to certain depths, but still not 100% on on what's down there and, and, and how everything sort of functions is an interesting, you know, again, correlation to the metaphor of like what we're talking about here and so i again i i'm just trying to be really careful now because <laughs> i'm like and again we didn't say anything wrong last time i just thought i think that's the 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 crux between having a friend like you who i can just like sort of word vomit what i'm sort of understanding about this and and i hope that that metaphor or that uh, that parallel understanding of the rorschach makes sense you know what i mean like of what I was saying earlier. It's like, I can tell you like, oh, this is what I think it means. And you could be like, yeah, yeah, I think, I think so. But it's like for a broader sense, it's like, no, we need to like kind of take a step back and sort of say, no, wait a minute. Like what's really going on here in the unconscious and how do we really define it by what um, these symbols are, you know? Right. Absolutely. And like, 
you know, have you ever ever tried to explain to somebody what being in water is like? It's it's beyond words as well. Like if an alien yeah, came down here and it couldn't be submerged in water and it like sees you playing in the water and it's like, what does that feel like? You're like, well, you're like, you're like wet. And they're like, well, what is wet? You know, and you're like, it's like touches you. Like it's such this yeah. unique experience. And again, it's, it's kind of, again, kind of a personal thing because people have different relations in water than other people. Some people naturally feel connected to it and some people fear water, you know, and they don't have that connection. They're a little bit more earthbound. Totally. But it would be almost impossible to explain what it's like to be like fully submerged in water. And, and it is, there's something, you know, we think about it even as a child, when we were approaching water for the first time, like learning how to swim, there was this deep fear of jumping into the pool, Mm. you know? And even as like an adult, when it's been a long time since you've been in a body of water, you have this like hesitation. Like even when I was at the ocean, I had to like rev myself up to get out there, you know? And when I did, it was just like beautiful and it was this amazing experience. But even out there as this adult, as this individual who studies, you know, I love to study the esoteric and the occult, like the wave still wiped me out. Like it wasn't like all my wisdom on this world was able to make me manage any better out there. Mm -hmm. You know, the undertow, the waves, everything about it is always teaching us a new lesson and it's always unfolding something more and giving birth to a better internal understanding. And, you know, it really calls us to kind of internalize this information. And so, you know, this, this water too has, has such a unique connection to us because this is where we came from. You know, this is our connection to the womb and it was literally water in this darkness that we're talking about in this mystery is where our soul accepted the body. You know, that's, that's where we came in. I know when we were, when we were talking about the first house in Aries, and I'm glad that this is kind of coming up because some people have reached out and they're like, you know, I'm a little curious. Does, does the soul just like, does the soul just come online when you take the first breath? And I was like, no, that's, that's kind of the trouble about going from the first sign of the Zodiac in the first house to the 12th, because Actually, when we make it back to the 12th and we make it back to Pisces, that's actually when the soul's actually coming into the body. Mm. What that Aries moment was in that flash of consciousness is just when we actually turn online in this five sense reality. But you do, you have gestation intelligence and, you know, looking at your natal chart and things like that, certain people kind of turn online in that womb a little bit earlier. And most of the time they have a little bit more like this intuitive Um, kind of like psychic experience that kind of maintains them through life. But it truly is. The water is where we came from, and the water is also where we're going to return to. And that's what's so unique about this this cyclical understanding. And we're really going to see the cycle that she kind of creates for us, this high priestess. Um, But it is, it's just so, so interesting that this is the first element on this journey that we can actually truly feel. And we can actually put ourselves into. Right. But again, it's not without its dangers. Yeah. You know, and and one of the things we're gonna feel with this water is like, yeah, water is this amazing thing. Like when you get when you're actually in the ocean and you feel that salt water, it's it's this amazing experience. But if you keep just going down to feel that feeling and you don't come back up, well, this can be a very dangerous aspect as well. And this is gonna really kind of allude to even this mystical power that this card has. Because when you approach spirituality and you start seeing the world beyond the five senses, right. 
there is a pull to kind of just stay in that realm. You know, there's this, this understanding of, oh, why would I leave this place? This is, this is the holisticness. This is the whole story. This is that universal mother. It's caring and it's nurturing. But the problem is, is we were not here to just be comfortable in the womb. This is why we were pushed out of the womb. We were here for a constructive experience to evolve our soul so universal consciousness can keep its evolution going. And so what we're really going to see here is, is this water is this amazing at-home, intuitive kind of feeling, but it, it's a process in our becoming. And it's going into the water and then coming out and actually using that water as this energy to help us create what we need to and to unfold and really kind of have this process of becoming. And so, you know, it's just, it's such an interesting thing when you kind of think about these, these elements yeah. in this, in this way. And again, that, that water can be very seductive and it can be your rebirth, but it also, it also can drown you. And, you know, we, we're really going to kind of see this, this aspect really kind of present itself. And we, we did, we were, talking about the ocean we were talking about lakes we were talking i mean the great flood oh, you right. know water has this unique formulating dissolving aspect and it can be so important to dissolve the the negative components of us and dissolve our materialistic understanding but it needs to give birth to something new in this reality we can't just pull ourselves away and that's very tempting totally you know because there is kind of that that unique kind of connection to it. Um, but truly is, man, the, you know, that, that archetype of the ocean, I think plays such a, such a good role, yeah. you know, in this understanding. And I think that, no, I mean, again, last time when we were talking, um, you know, I think that some of the metaphors you bring up in regards to water and how it, it applies to this card were so well said that it kind of allowed me to sort of have that, that understanding of of what this what this really represents, and what's interesting is you. I like what you said about spirituality and how like you kind of want to stay into in that world, and that's what's interesting about what we do here on this podcast. For again, those who haven't really listened to us for too long, is like we're breaking down these symbols that were created to reach your subconscious, and and this 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 deck of of cards that you know we're gonna just keep talking about here. You know, they weren't made for just you know, having fun in these games. I mean, during the Renaissance period of the Middle Ages, you had to have a different way to represent this sort of understanding and feeling that we all have, um, not just within us, but that occurs in this world that we can't really seem to, you know, have a full grasp on. You know, yeah, we have the five cent construct that we talk about, but in that time, they knew something was felt that was deeper. Mm -hmm. And so even the way you're talking about it right now, I know what you're saying. I know exactly what you're saying. So I think what we should do is, you know, to start it off, if it's okay with you, we can talk about how we're we're getting so deep here with the high priestess and why we're getting so deep here because it is the female archetype. But again, the female archetype herself and is described here um, in what I've been reading, which is the 78 degrees of wisdom and other resources that, um, that I find that you can find yourself, you know, through... Uh, um, you know, the internet, obviously, and, and other books that you may have, you know, they're trying to break things down for you, but they're also le le leaving it up to you to kind of have this understanding. It's not just going to present itself so quickly. And so one of the things that I liked about this right off the bat that I want to get into is the mystery of 
the female archetype herself. It's like you can't really have this understanding of what this energy really represents, especially as a male figure, mm-hmm. you know, and in that time, you know, male being such a dominant, um, uh, uh, sex, you know, trying to recategorize the female archetype in its own role, but there's so much to it. There's so much depth to right. it. And so again, here we are, <laughs> and I'm just trying to be careful on like what we say. So let's start from the top and like, what, why, why are we talking about water? Why are we talking about the female archetype? What is this card trying to represent? And of course, we're going to break down all the symbols in the card like we always do, but I kind of want to go where where you're at, man. No, perfect. No, and and again, I think this is exactly how it, it kind of needed to unfold. And, you know, we you think about it, like even your most materialistic scientist is going to tell you that you're made up mostly of water. Right. You look at the earth and we think about all these lands and these beautiful countries and all the people, but most of this earth is water, you know, as above, so below. Like, isn't it so funny that the ratio of water on the earth is almost equivalent to the ratio of the water that's within us? Right. Um, not a coincidence. And this this aspect of this mystery of water and in this f- sacred feminine energy. And I love how you brought up this aspect and we always kind of have to kind of reiterate this so we all understand that we all have this male action component in us and we have this feminine intuitive component to us. And it doesn't mean because the feminine is passive that it's weak. There's actually a strength in here that is is beyond words, yeah. you know, and it's not that active, active aspect. But you know, we think about we need water, right? You need you you can go a couple weeks without food, you can go a couple maybe days without water. And so intuitively and based on survival, humans had to go to watering sources to replenish themselves. And when they did that, when they kneeled on the ground and they put their face into the water, this was the first reflection of themselves. And so the female was calling for this this thirst that we all have. And we take it in as like, oh, I'm thirsty for, you know, this liquid to kind of like create like um, water in my throat so I I don't pass away, right? Mm -hmm. But isn't it so interesting that we need that to survive? And, And we were pulled to these watering holes and this truly was the first time we saw each other. Us going to water as humanity was the birth of philosophy because it was the first time that we actually saw ourselves Mm. and we're able to reflect on ourselves. And that's going to be the biggest aspect about that, this card. And we were talking about the process of this episode. We had to do more reflection. Yeah. You know, we really had to see ourselves and, and really had to come in and almost sit at the feet of the high priestess to understand her lessons. And so we think about this, this connection with water in this, this aspect of the sacred feminine of how important it is to reflect on ourselves, to reflect on our actions, to reflect on our thoughts, to reflect on our relationships, to reflect on our patterns. Right. If you don't do that and you live this whole life of just do, 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 you're, it's going to be do, do like, you're not going to get anything from it. You know, the the unreflected life is the life that's not worth living. And this has been a philosopher term since ancient Greece. And that's exactly what we're kind of partaking in here. And so just that aspect that the universe made this such an important thing to where your reflection was undeniable to you. 
Right. You know, and that's again something that kind of gets lost in our modern day society. Because, like, yeah, it's great that water comes out of the sinks and people, you know, you can buy a bottle of water, you know, for like, you know, $5. Um, but there's no reflection that happens there. Right. You know, it's got the label, it's got all these things. There is, there is something about us actually getting on our hands and knees and actually taking it in to, to see our reflection. And, and, you know, after we drink it, there's ripples. You know, right. and you're actually seeing this distorted view of yourself. And it wasn't until you sit there and you were still and actually stopped moving and, and took a second that those ripples would actually dissipate and you could see yourself purely. And that's how you approach this information. It comes in stillness. It comes in quietness. One thing that's unique when we're talking about like this, the process of studying this is, is this is that insight that, you know, Tesla and all these great scientists talked about that they would actually have to, they would like intentionally work themselves to exhaustion to be able to tap into this mode. And you almost have to, like when I was studying for this, I found myself having to study other things really, really, and like concentrate on them very, very hard. And it was future topics, other things that I'm interested in, but I actually would put a lot of energy into it. And then I was able to kind of tap into it when I was at that point of like, between like sleep and waking, you yeah. know, this is why that last 15 minutes of yoga is so much more important than the, the 55 minutes that came before it, mm -hmm. because you're doing the active masculine principle. And then all of a sudden you have pushed yourself, you've sweated out all of yourself, you know, you're at this point of like, you know, pushing yourself to the ledge and that's when she comes to you. And this is also why she comes to us in our most dying, you know, terrible experiences. When we feel like we can't go on anymore, it's this universal mother that comes to kind of give us this rebirth. And we're able to actually submerge in those waters when we almost like tire out that active imagination. And that, oh, I'm sorry, so much because we're kind of activating the imagination, that activated, like active concentration, you know, in our attention and that willpower. It's when we push that to the level that she's able to open up and speak to us. But the thing is, is she wants to speak in a quiet voice. So you mm -hmm. have to kind of quiet that mind. And that's why there's, there's so much that kind of comes out of this. This is why you have such insight from after you run a marathon or, oh, I think clearly and I'm connected after I run in the morning or all of these things. It's because you're allowing that to be there because your active mind is out of fuel. And so the, the universal solvent comes in to kind of give us, again, this, this different kind of internal understanding energy. Absolutely, man. I mean, for those who follow all the external things that we do, and external meaning like videos for Patreon, um, <laughs> the posts that we have, all of that, it, it literally, I'm not even joking. Like I took, I took off. I went to Flagstaff, uh, which is north of here in Phoenix, and it's a mountainous town etc. But I was in the mountains pretty much by myself um, with my own thoughts. And I got away from everything. I didn't even have cell service for like a whole day um, while I was out there. But for all the reasons you're talking about, I mean, I can't explain it. I literally felt like I was doing the listeners a disgrace. And again, this is why I liked it. You called me because I was like, man, am I not well equipped enough to like talk about this stuff? Why does it feel so I mean, everything we talk about are just opinions that Dale and I have about what we study and the interpretation of the study. But this was different. This was so different. And so you saying this right now is once again, and I'm trying to contain myself, but it's, it resonates so hard because 
it's it's hard for me to call you and just say like, hey man, like kind of not, I'm not going to participate in this for, for a couple of days or, hey, I'm going to take this time off to go here. It just felt like I needed to be in a quiet place. And now we're sitting here again and it feels like, okay, maybe I just needed to bow my head down and give this entire, not just episode, but this entire um, piece of knowledge, the respect it deserves. Not to say the other stuff that we talk about doesn't have my utmost respect, but this one, again, is just different. It's a surrendering. A surrendering, It's a yeah. surrendering, yeah, you know? Yeah, well said, man. And we have to understand that in this universe, you know, there's certain things that need to be dominated, you know, because you're either being dominated or you're dominating. And so the things we dominate, and we spoke about this, is your active awareness. Right. You know, your attention, that thought element. Um, what we're focused on is something we want to dominate, but we do. We, we need to surrender to this intuitive, holistic capacity that's making itself present in this moment and in this kind of discussion that we're, that we're having. And that is the only way to approach this, this feminine archetype um, that's so, so important to our, to our understanding. And, it's, and it plays such a, a unique role in even what we kind of what we create, because it is this, this connecting to, this, to these internal waters of ourselves that actually create lubrication in the resistance we feel from our environment. You know, because life isn't easy. And so what these emotions actually do is they give us kind of that motion and that energy and that almost charge to be able to actually put our thoughts into action later on, which is, you know, and especially holistic action where we actually follow the heart. And it, it really is this, this unique, this unique element. Um, but again, with, you know, lubrication is this great thing to counter resistance, but you know, too much lubrication, too much in this feminine archetypal world, we lose our footing. And then we actually lose ourselves, which is a very important process in universal consciousness that we're here to become something. And we're in the process of developing. So we can't just stay with this intuitive aspect, but we utilize her as the guide. And we're going to kind of, she's going to kind of guide us through the remainder of this journey. And so, you know, this this high priestess is the key to the to the mysterious truth that eludes the mind and it really really is is that component and you know we it's just so interesting too because when we think about like our active attention right and in our awareness and we think of that as like a light right and we talked about this with like with the observer effect how our attention can actually change the you know the atomic structure of items right like the when we get down to that quantum understanding, we actually can change the, like, the makeup of something because it responds to our attention. Well, one thing that's the first lesson that this high priestess teaches us is that light is not only an illuminator, but it's also a veil. And what you put your attention to and your focus on creates a shadow, you know? And so it's a very interesting thing because this, this high priestess is going to be full of paradoxes. And we spoke about this in an earlier episode. What's a paradox to a muggle is deep wisdom to an alchemist. And that's how we kind of have to approach this because this is nonlinear conceptual thought. So it is going to have its own perceived paradoxes when it's approached with that linear mind. But you think about it, like we think of the sunrise, this new day, right? The sun God, 
all of this beautiful aspects that kind of come with that journey. Well, as the sun rises, it actually veils the night sky, which is the stars, which is our deep connection to spirituality. And so although that's beautiful that that light comes out and there's not as much physical danger, we can see more in this five sense environment, we lose touch of that mysterious component, which is the stars. And so light is not only an aspect of illumination, but it's also an aspect of a veil. And that's what the high priestess really wants to teach us is, yeah, what you put focus on is great. But if you're putting focus on something, if you're putting light on something, it's creating a shadow. And are you under, are you aware of these shadows? Do you see what they're kind of creating? And we're going to kind of see, see this component. And, you know, even when we think about the, the planetary energy that rules this card, which would very much be the lunar moon, and we think about the moon, the moon is, is just a reflection of the sun's light. We don't see the light of the moon. It's just a reflection. So even the moon's light is hidden and veiled from us, right? And so it's not something we can just like observe. Like, yeah, we can see that reflection, but again, that's the reflection of the father's son and the mother. And so we can learn through that universal life presence, which is like that number one consciousness, which is just that that fire of consciousness that again, we can't get close enough to, to touch and understand but the mother is just reflecting the, the information of the father there. Her information is veiled. Her information, we have to go deep inside and we actually find that that's an internal light within us. But it's an interesting component because, you know, again, this is why some new age spirituality that's all light and love is only half of the equation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that left side of that aspect, you know? And so you think about this understanding of like, well, what's holiness? Holiness is wholeness. That's the incorporation of seeing the light and seeing the shadow. And it's going to be that incorporation of it. But we very often don't think of light in this aspect that it veils. But this is the deep esoteric understanding that is partaken with this card. And what this card kind of carries is like, hey, what you do look at, that's great. But understand everything you look at casts a shadow. And are you investigating these shadows? And how are you going to understand this this aspect of the things that far away from your conscious awareness? Right. You know, And that's what a lot of spirituality is, is it's taking that attention and actually going through the internal self, looking at things we haven't looked so we can kind of illuminate those components and actually kind of bring them into ourselves. And, and reorientate them so these things that we fear, which are like these, like what we perceive as like demons and monsters that live in our subconscious, can actually kind of be reorientated into the self and incorporated into this, this higher aspect and make us complete, holy, holiness, right? And so, you know, this, this high priestess um, very much represents the underworld, the darkness, And this is the aspect and the part of the story that every solar hero needs to travel to the underworld during their journey. And this is the story of us. We all need to travel to this component. But the thing is, is the tools that have made us so successful in this five sense reality to handle dangers have no value in the underworld, right? You could have the sharpest sword in the world it's not going to do anything to the to the aspects that are of your unincorporated consciousness. Mm. You know, the government can make the biggest bomb in the world, does nothing to the subconscious. If anything, that bigger bomb is just making more demons on the inside. 
You know what I mean? And so even this the the skill set that we need to approach this card is is paradoxical to what we need for this environment, which is the five sense, which is more of this protruding force. Mm-hmm. This is going to be more of this internal journey where we have to kind of carry new skills and new techniques. And this is why when the sun, the sun god or the hero of the sun is going into the underworld, this is why there's always a feminine to either be pulling him down in there for to like kind of save. And that's the aspect of saving that right side and that whole, that, you know, the sacred feminine within themselves, but they also could kind of bestow unique gifts to kind of go through that journey. And the big journey here and the big gift is to be able to see in the dark. And that's a different kind of light. And that's what we're kind of generating, but this can only be intuitively found. There's nothing we can do in this reality. That's going to be able to like give us those skills other than starting to kind of see the shadows that we cast if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I really enjoyed about, you know, understanding, you know, the, the approach to, to this female archetype for the times when this card was made is the denial of these mysteries and the fear of these mysteries by the male figures that had control and power in this case with like, you know, we talked about this last time, but within Judaism and Catholicism, they talk about how, you know, the female archetype is sort of oppressed and maybe, you know, put into a different um, category all in itself that couldn't really be involved because in reality, the fear of, of, of the, of the male having to, you know, uh, interact with the female mysteries, I feel like was very evident all through, through a lot of history. But in this case with the card, what I like about it is, is you have that reintroduction with her, the female archetype comes in and there's this knowledge of, okay, there's deeper wisdom going on here. Maybe we don't understand it and maybe we do fear it, but maybe we should reincorporate this and maybe we should bring this back because it's an important component to the understanding of that wholeness that you're talking about. And right. I think that's something that they did right for once uh, in the Middle Ages and against during, during that Renaissance period that we've talked about in other episodes. I think they knew it was imperative to bring that other side, the other side of, in this case, whether it's the hemisphere of the brain or whether it's this like intuitive aspect of all beings that needs to be um, carefully looked at, the high priestess brings that to full force, you know it. Right. And this is, and that's a great thing. And this is something that we are going to kind of go into this, this hidden aspect of the sacred feminine throughout the ages, but you know, the the sacred feminine is the mystery schools. So this was always taught, but it was underground and it was right. only for the initiates. You know, the difference between exoteric and esoteric religion is exoteric is outer, masculine, right. esoteric is inner, intuitive, right? And this, is, and this is exactly what all the mystery schools and all the esoteric studies have always been, is the studying of this. You know, but that exoteric, again, you think about it as like, that protruding force. And it's the, and you even think about it like the male genitals, it's on the outside, right? Where the inner teachings, which is the esoteric, which is the deeper teachings is like the female genitals. It's on the inside, right? And, and again, you know, on the, the surface level that, you know, these exoteric religions operate from when they divorced themselves and they feared the mystery of the female, well, the female was too mysterious for them, right. you know, because the female didn't operate with this 
only linear understanding. You know, the female had this connection to the holistic, even the, the understanding that the female, you know, the menstrual cycle and how it was connected to the moon. That was very mysterious to your superficial, practical religious people who kind of thought that, you know, the Bible is this, is like a, almost like a history book, right. not, not an evolution of consciousness, right? And so they were kind of afraid of that, that connection to the moon. You know, the idea that they, a female bleeds for a whole cycle of the moon and doesn't die, but it actually is the aspect of giving life through that process. That's not a linear understanding that like masculine consciousness and linear thought can ever connect to, you know, and we do stuff to kind of try to give like the scientific breakdown, but there's still so much mystery in there that we really can't allude to. And, you know, something interesting as I was kind of doing this, I was reading with um, some Michael Cesarian stuff and he brought up, and now this was the first time I've heard of this, but he brought up. In Neolithic empires, like in Neolithic past, the very, very deep, deep past, he brought up the idea that men actually didn't see their role in childbirth. And that actually came later through study. And which is so funny because they were studying animals and they were always looking in the natural world. But that correlation of childbirth, they didn't actually really, really deep, didn't actually stand that sexual intercourse caused the child, that there needed to be a seed that was planted into the womb. So they thought that women just naturally were giving birth. And so it was even more mysterious for them, you know? And there was like all this, this wonder and belittlement about that process of the female, but the, the female does all life comes through the female, right? You know, that's, that's a very unique thing that is, is not just, it's, it's the greatest honor in the world because it's the female that brings life in and, they really are these these carriers. Whether whether you're a god or the, you're a human, you all come through the female, you know, and that's going to be this this unique aspect. And again, it's it's troubling to the linear mind, you know, and especially this when you think about this like external world we're living in, where everybody's their their profiles are away from them, right? Their their identity is like their social media account. It's outside of them. Like everything is external. And that's why it's such a unique time to actually put that down and internally kind of come into ourselves because there is so many bells and whistles right now. It is so hard to sit with yourself and be quiet. You know, um, you literally have to be like proactive on that and like turn off your phone, turn off this alarm. You know, all of these other components have to happen. And again, this is why nature just does that for us naturally. Mm -hmm. And like you said, like you were only in Flagstaff for like 20 hours mm -hmm. and you were able to connect to that. You know, it's so interesting. Like even when I was in, you know, I was doing some traveling recently in some big cities and it was just so funny. Like when you made it to these big central parks and these like middle areas, you were like, you would be able to tap into it, even if it was just for a second. But it was just like, it's just interesting that mother nature, which is the mother of this earth, right? Mother earth, she has that same kind of effect and can mm -hmm. kind of pull us back into that to ourselves. And again, that's what we do when we study this. It like, it, like I spoke about it earlier as like, when you study the high priestess, it like takes you somewhere, but it actually just takes you to your, to your source and to your core. It takes you within. Um, and that's kind of what nature is kind of doing. And, and again, this is, this is part of that lesson because we spoke about this with the squaring of the circle, right? Like we can't perceive that universal life force. We need to see it housed in energy. And that's what this whole five sense is. It's this 
this housing aspect. And, you know, when you think about that, you know, energy being the source of all life, what's the greatest conductor of energy? Water. You know, you drop electric thing in water, it's one of the most dangerous things in the world because it just goes everywhere. It's not confined by the wires and everything that's going to come with like earth later mm-hmm. on, but it truly is this, this unique aspect. So again, you know, we're, we're kind of approaching something here that is, um, that is just very kind of unique in its, in its aspect. And again, this, this aspect that this passiveness that kind of comes with this, this high priestess and truly seeing the, the ultimate strength right. and surrendering and surrendering to the right things, you know, not surrendering to the trends of your society and the group think, but surrendering to the universal laws that we either abide by or we feel pain, right? Like you can be like, you can choose not to surrender to cause and effect, but cause and effect isn't going to care. And it's going to give you the bad ramifications of not understanding it. You know, we, we've talked about that through all the, we, I mean, look at it with the, the law of polarity right now. Right. This is this what our whole world is in right now is the misunderstanding of the law of polarity. So everybody wants to eat each other. And and this is the universe is like, hey, this is an input processing output system. If you input misunderstanding, you're gonna process misunderstanding and then you're gonna output misunderstanding. And we're seeing the ramifications like right in front of us. And so Choosing what you surrender to as part of this journey and kind of surrendering to this this higher, all-knowing, holistic essence that is contained in this card is, I mean, it's really what the whole Torah is about. Right. Like, everything is funny. It's like the second card, but like everything is connected to this card. And this is truly the information we're pulling from it because, again, the Torah, you can read so many books on it and there's so many people who've written great explanations on it but that's always unfolding a deeper lesson for you. And it's always kind of giving a deeper, um, every time you go back to that water, um, not only are you a different person, but it's a different stream, you know? And we've talked about that. Like no person goes into the same body of water the same because it's a different stream of water and it's a different person. And we're always kind of going to this rebirth energy and the water is always going to kind of be that rebirth um, archetype that is so familiar and important to us. Absolutely, man. No, well said, dude. I really like that the way you're laying all this down. And especially when you talk about the differences in exoteric and esoteric is imperative to have that understanding you're talking about with this input and output that exists out there. I mean, it's funny because even now in modern day um, society, people will talk about, say, the genocide that occurred within, you know, the, the Catholic uh, regime or, or, or like the, the Romans and what they did in the name of God and the construction that came from it with this intimidating factor in the name of God, but no one was really going within themselves to understand what this, um, this source really um, represented inside of each individual soul and how to create a world which was heaven here on earth that represented the above to bring back down to the below. And instead everyone was just more worried about, again, what you were saying about the historical factors of say the Bible versus like the mysterious unfolding of the, of the unconscious. And, and we do that throughout history. We just think we know it all and we, we act on it rather than going within. And again, when you look at this card and you look at even just like the whole deck, 
that's what the 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 brilliance of this deck is that they're leaving you these reminders of like no this is something that you need to know about from the inside Mm -hmm. not from the outside that's great if you know the information but you can't just reiterate the information and the words that are placed on paper and feel that you're holier than now you know to feel whole is to go within and be able to come out and actually express that um, complete understanding of what it means to be this fulfilled individual who's made a full circle you know we talk about and you know the the way it, it ends and begins and it makes this cycle but um you know we kind of chop that up and divide it and so that's 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 currently my obsession with this card and with the whole deck itself is that wow i cannot believe that this long ago in the 13th century there's this there's this burst this renaissance and that renaissance is that female archetype. yeah great you know what i mean Love it that, is that that, that, that energy it's the acceptance of art and color and understanding that it's not black and white and the things that are beyond our understanding should be embraced not necessarily scrutinized and put down based on the misunderstanding of what it is and just categorizing it as fear or witchcraft or right. bad uh, juju. Bad um, juju. <laughs> you no, know? So. I, no, man. I, I love what you're saying there, too. Because, like, it's true. Zion is not a a physical place. Zion is a spiritual awareness, you sausages. Like, right. come on. Like, it's, it's a place that's inside of us. It's not this physical right. thing. Like, you know, you talk about the Crusades and they're actually fighting over the Holy Land. The Holy Land is your spinal column. Right. You know, you have to co- conquer that journey yourself. And, you know, I love that you brought up the aspect of the Renaissance, because that is this rebirth of this, this sacred feminine energy getting pushed out. And this, and a lot of people say that the Renaissance was very much organized and correlated by the mystery schools to kind of start releasing some of this energy to compound with the, the Catholicism, you know, only masculine approach to spirituality, right. you know, and that's, and that's a very, very important co- component to look at. But we have to understand too, though, that hiding in plain sight and, and being a mystery, that's her cup of tea. Like she's fine having to be veiled and hidden and just look through the history of art. What is the biggest image that's shown? is the female and the female body. So she's always kind of presenting herself. And even in the most, you know, like there's Catholic, huge Catholic paintings. And we'll we'll go into this, this whole aspect of how not only has the high priestess been veiled, but she almost is okay with this veiling. But we'll see like some of the biggest like Catholic piece of arts that were, um, you know, um, commissioned they're always hiding the sacred feminine there. They're always hiding this intuitive aspect and kind of connecting to it. And again, even, you know, you look at Da Vinci where he placed Virgo, placed it to the right hand of Jesus, you know, at that last supper. And it's, it's a very important aspect because it is his right side. It's his component. That was his holistic aspect, Mm. which is the Virgin Mary, you know, so she's always hiding in plain sight, but that's what it always is because she's just waiting for us. It's when you come to her and you're ready. She's not going to come to you. You kind of have to come to her and sit at her feet with this patience and this understanding. You go through there, her through this, almost this meditative aspect is how we kind of connect to it. But, you know, female art has always been the, the, the drawing of the female. And again, it's not 
because men are so fascinated with the physical form of the female. Yes, females are beautiful and they have these, these, you know, they have more curvature to them and they've got this like more aesthetically, what you would say, like beautiful component, but they're talking about all form when they draw the female, you know, all form. And that's, and that's going to be this unique aspect because this high priestess is a paradox and we can get seduced by this form and get pulled in and only see the form for what it is and not the energy that's actually behind it. And that's again, one of the mysteries. And that's, what's the difference between like the mermaid and the priestess where the, the mermaid pulls you down with desire and it pulls you down with the form. And it's like, look at me, look at my curves. And so the individuals actually jump off the boat and they go into the water and then they drag them down to their death. And so this feminine energy is the same. If we just get fascinated and hypnotized by the form and we don't understand that this is a housing unit of universal consciousness, well, we're getting pulled down by the mermaids and the sirens. And that's Mm -hmm. exactly what those stories are entailing. And so we always will see this this beautiful female figure in these mythologies. And and they're always going to be kind of beautiful on the outside, but it depends if they're kind of ugly and death on the inside. And then sometimes the female figure that's not beautiful is almost ugly on the outside. Well, that actually has an inner beauty that goes beyond anything that we could physically ever understand. And we see that through the guides and we see that through, you know, like the wise woman that kind of guides it. You know, she might be old and flaral, but inside she's got a beauty that she shares and an insight that actually is the, the catalyst of change for the story, you know? And so, you know, you think about, you think about this aspect of water um, and this was something that we brought up, you know, um, on another podcast and I, and it was just kind of a fun conversation, but we do, we kind of think about this aspect of even like the, the childhood story of like Jack and Jill, right? Oh, Go right. up a hill. Right. And, and you think about the word well, and this is just a great understanding of just how, you know, deep language is and how everything is connected and we're not stretching here. It's just, you have to kind of see the correlations that are actually happening here. But when somebody asks you how you are, you want to like, and you want to honestly reflect on yourself to make sure you can respond this way, but you do, you want to respond as I am well, you know? And what does that mean? Well, that means my depthness has been explored so much that I actually can go down and collect these universal everlasting spring of these imagination and holistic thought and intuition. And I can bring it up to the surface to not only hydrate and quench my thirst of that internal knowing, but also to spread it with my community. And I can actually provide this unique water. And so when you say I'm doing well, it's actually entailing, oh, I've got depthness to me. And I've got depthness that I've explored. And although it was scary, I've actually created structure to go down there and be able to put a pail and actually collect this water, which is such an important, important facet. And again, we'll go and break down Jack and Jill because it's really fascinating because it it goes even deeper in kind of with Leo and the sign of Aquarius. And there's, again, always kind of deeper aspects there. But that's exactly what we're kind of looking at is this, this depthness is achieved and is this depthness is needed for us to become whole, to explore this internal aspects of ourselves. Um, and, you know, it's, it's again, it's a, it's a heavy test that not all of us are going to actually survive, but it is truly the ultimate test. And it, it's very important that we, we kind of make our way there. And so, um, my man, we've been, we've been chatting 
Should we actually talk about this this tarot card that's yeah. in front of us? You know, I think it's awesome that you've given such a good um, understanding of why we talk about water. And so now that we roll into the imagery of this card, we can talk from the perspective of, of what is found in this card. And we can start with the way the priestess is sitting all the way onto, we'll start with the ground up. And here you have her dress. Right. That's on the floor that represents that water that we're talking about. You have the waves, you have the ripples that are coming from her dress. And the, and so one of the things that I found out about this through some uh, research is, is how much they, they mentioned that. Because you're going you're gonna to see water a couple times uh, or a few, few times in this card, but it starts there. Do you want to start there? Is that a good place to start? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this kind of just almost details the the flowing aspect of this intuitive thought, you know, and how it flows in, in the insight and the inspiration that it actually can kind of give us. And, you know, we, we talk about when you're connected to this, you, you almost get these inter-understanding downloads that can kind of come and almost take over you, you know, when you're connected to this realm and you're actually at the feet. And that's exactly... What happens when you're getting these like explosions of insight mm. and it's, it truly feels like just water floating over you and it's like pouring over you because again, it, it is just like water. Like you talked about earlier, like, oh, I found water and I wanted to show you it and I carried it in my hand and I got all the way back and there was no water left. It's true. Like you really need to honor the moment when these happen to you because it is, it's like sand in your hands. It's going to kind of make its way out. You're not going to, you know, you want to be like quick to take in whatever this insight or whatever this flash of unique perspective or awareness that's kind of gained from it. But it is, it's this, this flowing kind of energy. And we see this combination of the blue, which is that surrendering passive aspect of consciousness, which is so important. And then the white, which is the representation of purity, you know, and, and you cannot approach the high priestess without purity within yourself. You know, you even think about it when people are like, oh, I'm like doing a body detox. What does all body detox contain? Drinking a lot of water. You know, you have to have this purification. The You have to be pure to approach this high priestess. And if you don't, well, that gets into a whole nother situation. And that's when we start having these unique negative projections of this high priestess. And this is obviously something I'm excited to go into you about with like the the anima and animus when we kind of go a little bit deeper next season with like Jungian philosophy. We'll bring this aspect up because it truly does kind of project outwards. But if we can approach with this purity and this this aspect of surrender and patience um, at her feet, that's exactly what we're going to be met with. It's actually like a detoxification and a purification. You know, you think about the the second step of alchemy was dissolution. Right. And that's like dissolving all of that dross in the waters. And the waters truly are going to take everything back. You know, it, it's going to, everything will go back to the sea. Yeah. We'll go back to the waters of life. Water is this, again, it's that universal component that just has so much kind of energy there. Um, but I love that, you know, um the our our hero lady smith the artist of this card you know this is something that she kind of brought in you know we don't see the water dress in a lot of ancient cards mm. you know and this is also a nod to to the nile in egypt you know because the nile was seen as the physical representation of the high priestess because when the waters rose that's actually what would kind of 
um, nurture the ground and it would actually, you know, it would actually flood. Mm -hmm. And that's what the soil was so rich. And then once the Nile stopped working, well, Egypt stopped working. And the Egyptians felt like it was their misconnection to this intuitive energy that made the Nile stop responding like it used to. Um, they felt like this was the cause, them losing this connection when they kind of became in the 18th, 19th, and 20th dynasties, and they became more materialistic. That's what they they believed was the aspect. They, they believed everything that was happening with the Nile and it not giving the um, amount of water flow that it used to was their ability to connect with the water inside themselves. You know, and... We don't think about that. Like, what is our, everything is connected, but we don't think about, you know, the poisoning of our minds and the the indoctrination. Like, what is the effect? And how does this ultimate mother respond to that? Right. You know? Um, but yeah, again, a, a beautiful, a beautiful kind of breakup there um, that's kind of just, again, it's this free-flowing understanding. And it's, again, it's non-linear. Water you know, even in its container, it will slowly dissolve the container over time. Right. You know, it's it's slowly going to, even if it's between earth, it's slowly going to dissolve that earth over time, especially running water, like this flowing water. It's made some of the most beautiful things that um, we all kind of go to gather the sea in nature. Water is this ultimate dissolver and former. Um, and we can see it, how it works even within ourselves, you know? Totally. And so... Um, you know, another thing that's kind of unique with water is just how powerful moods are. Because we're talking about emotions and we're talking about the moon. You know, it's you really can't like think your way out of a mood. Like when a mood's on, it, it takes a lot to get out of it, you know, happy or sad. And they can kind of switch and it can kind of be flowing like water. And certain kind of responses to our environment can kind of shift in different moods. But you can't just like, if you were depressed, you can't just like think your way out of depression, right? You actually have to sit with that water. And it's actually this really important process that we're going to kind of look at. And we'll, when we talk about her, her placement on the, where she's like even sitting, that will kind of allude a little bit more, but just the elusiveness of the moods, you know, and how they're connected to the moon and the moon controls the tides. We're 60 to 80% water, depending on the scientific study. Um, so of course we spoke about this before, yeah. but we're definitely affected by the moods of the universe, you know, and how they, they're just overflowing, you know? Absolutely, man. And it's funny cause you, that kind of like segues into the fact that at her feet where the water flows, you have that moon mm -hmm. that's just like right there. I mean, they don't even try to hide it. I mean, there's a couple of different versions of what you can see with this lunar energy. I don't want to give up too much because we're going to make our way to the top of where her crown sits. But at the bottom, you start right away with that moon. It's just mm -hmm. right there to kind of let you know, you know, this water and this moon energy go hand in hand. And it's something to not necessarily overlook. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just like right in your face. Um, so, yeah. And again, and these are universal archetypes. So we do, we, we sit at the feet of the mother and the feet are going to be this guiding aspect of the direction we head. And this is going to be the connection with the moon and how we, we want to be intuitively guided in this process. You right. know, the unfoldment of the heart and the following of the heart is such an important part of this journey because it's the heart that actually takes us to our destiny. You know, it's think, feel, act. And so we need to have that emotional component to uncover our truly higher self and to truly go through this process of becoming. But the thing is, is, you don't need this emotions. You can think and act. 
think and act. Well, there's a whole population of people out there that just think and act, think and act. There's no process of reflection. There's no connection to what are the consequences of my actions on other people. There could even be a lack of empathy. You know, we, we kind of live in this society that almost supports narcissism. You know, it supports this, hey, you get yours and who cares about everybody else? Where this this mother here is saying, no, that's you need to have this guiding aspect of your heart. Your heart is what's unfolding you. It's your desires. What what makes your heart satisfied in life? What is your heart's desire? Well, that's your destiny. You know, there's always those times we have these great conversations with people and they're just like, I just don't know what I want to do with my life. And you're like, what do you like to do? Mm-hmm. And then you're like, and then they, they answer that. And then you're like, are you good at it? And they're like, oh, I'm the best at it. And you're like, well, it sounds like that's it. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's, we're supposed to go with this flow. We're not supposed to grow upstream to this. Like you can look at this water right now on that. There's no going against that flow of water. You know, it's like trying to fight the waves. It's never going to happen. You know, we can build a sandcastle on the shore, but the water is going to kind of come and take it away. You know, and you could sit there on that shore and keep building that sandcastle and the water will just keep teaching the lesson until you actually understand what is actually going on there. And so, yes, that that beautiful crescent moon that's at the feet shows that, you know, it is intuition that's deeply guiding us. And we we want to stay connected to that. And if we are quiet in ourselves and we can really reflect, it will speak to us. Right. And it's going to speak to everybody in a little different of a way. You know, some people, it's like almost like it verbally speaks to them. Sometimes people feel it in their guts. Some people have flashes of insight. Sometimes the high priestess will come to them in their dreams. You know, so many things. Again, she's nonverbal intelligence, so she's probably going to operate in a nonverbal way. And again, synchronicities, correspondences. She's going to speak to us through numbers. So many things. She's always begging for our attention. Um, but she's not going to run out and like grab us by the hand and bring us to it. We have to kind of see that it's not a coincidence. It's a synchronicity. And that's when we kind of start to make this kind of inward journey. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's that beautiful, beautiful component of that, of that moon. And, you know, and as we're kind of making our way up and before we, before we kind of make, um, kind of keep going, did you, did you have more that you wanted to talk about the flowing dress at the bottom? No, I feel like, okay. you know, what's really great is that now if, if you've kept up with us this far and what Daniel's been saying um, that I really appreciate is why the importance of water comes into it. And we'll talk about what's behind the veil, because if you're looking at this card and again, we're looking at the, the Walter Wade card. If you look at it, you'll understand what we're talking about with, with water and, and its importance to it. And again, with this lunar energy. So I don't think I have much more to add because you kind of already sort of, you opened up with water. And I think water is is a big factor in everything we're talking about here. And as far as how it reflects and how how it um, intuitively, um, you know, drives us not only for survival, but for emotional understanding and, and the better understanding of emotion, of course, gives us an uh, ability to go into um, these deeper, deeper realms that, um, you know, unveil the unconscious and the subconscious. And so I think that's what the job of this, of this card obviously is. Um, and, and many more other, um, um, I shouldn't say the job, but you know, the, the, the truth that comes out of this card, um, you know, can be in plain sight, but it also has these depths that you've already talked about. So if you move on 
from you know where her feet sit and with the moon you know you, we start making our way up to what she holds in her hand and i thought that was an interesting um aspect of this card because you know not being a a well-versed individual in judaism i do understand the power it'd be with the torah and i think that here in in this image it was so interesting you and i talked about this but that's what she's holding in her hand so for those who are listening and don't have the card in front of you where we're going up from the feet to where she's you know holding this uh um in her hands on her lap is the torah but it's not really uh revealed completely and i think that it's interesting that what we've read about and it's understanding with this anagram towards the tarot kind of want to break that up so like let's talk about that you know how she's holding it which which hand is holding it do you want to get into that absolutely no that's that's fantastic man and you're you're so right and it's again we almost have this like exoteric in this esoteric aspect of the card because a mm. lot of people are going to see that as torah and they're going to see it as the first five books of the hebrew bible right um but again, we're dealing with a master artist here. So are we really suspecting that she doesn't understand ratio and spacing, that she can't fit the whole word of Torah in there with the H? Th that wasn't an accident. This was very intentional because it, it goes even a little bit deeper because Torah is really going to connect us to those lunar, um, lunar aspects of Egyptian mythology. And this is, this is more of a connection to, it's a celebration of the universal law, which the Torah uncomposes, but it's more of a node to the Egyptian lunar goddesses mm. um, in that aspect. Because again, this is, this is a representation of Egyptian knowledge. Um, and that's exactly what Egyptian Hebrew knowledge is. It's a connection to, you know, Moses came from Egypt. That was the, how that energy kind of transferred. But this is, this is an anagram for the Torah and it's also going to be a connection to very, very old Egyptian goddesses of like the night sky and the aspect of what kind of veils over us and that connection mm. to that higher realm. But it is, it's, it's universal law. It's natural law. Um, and she holds it and it's scrolled and it's, but it's hidden. Like we have to uncover that. We have to kind of go and unscroll that to kind of learn that. And it's sitting, you know, She's placed it in her lap, which kind of gives us stability, and it gives us this understanding that this is something that we have to continually explore, and that scroll is infinite. Mm -hmm. You can never reach the end of universal and natural law. As you learn, it's like a snake. As you learn something, you shed that skin, and you become a more beautiful color and a more complete design. And that's what happens with all of these, all of these aspects. But, you know, one of the one of the big, big aspects is, you're right, she's, she's holding it with her, and the only hand that we see is her left hand, right? right. And that left hand is that outward hand. The right hand is that, that intuitive one. And so we really have this aspect of her wanting you to bring this natural law out into reality. It's right. more of this kind of protruding force. And the, the right hand, though, holds it sacred to herself as well, and it's, and it's hidden. Um, and this is like the true hidden hand. Because a lot of times um, in social engineers, they'll do the hidden hand as the left hand, and they'll put their left hand a lot, or sometimes their right hand. But it, this is an ode almost to this deeper understanding that was actually here. And you'll see this in, 
you know, all throughout history, people get portraits with like their hand, like in their shirt. And this is actually the understanding of like, we understand the hidden wisdom that you don't. Um, and this is what the ode is actually getting to here is this aspect of this, of this hidden understanding that's only open to the individuals that approach this, this sanctuary or this portal and this internal aspect of, of, of what she stands for. And you know what that, and the coolest thing is it's, it's sitting on her lap and that's one of the probably, apart from the number, which we're going to kind of get into right after this, one of the most important aspects is that she's sitting. This is the first card that's sitting. This is the first card that's not traveling. So there's this kind of static nature about this card. It's not this active thing, right? right? It's this, she's sitting and, and she's waiting for us. It's not coming to us. It's not jumping into our attention. She's sitting and she's waiting. And and you kind of have to approach it in this this understanding. And there's not a lot of, you're, you're going to see it. That's a huge thing to look out. Is the individual standing in the photo or are they sitting? Are they mm. fixed? You know, or is it more cardinal energy, you know, or mutable energy? This is fixed energy here. So we have a lot of uniqueness here because what she's saying is she doesn't get swayed by the environment. Right. Natural law is fixed. It's immutable. There's nothing you can do that's going to change these laws. You know, the magician is trying to utilize the elements for creation. Well, she's here to say that there's certain things you're not going to be able to change. It's this immutable force. And she sits there and she waits. And, and you think about what do you have to do with your emotions? You have to sit there. You have to sit in them and you have to experience them. What happens when you bury your emotions? They're waiting for you and they'll wait forever. She'll wait forever. And it just builds up. It builds more of a shadow. This is why you have to face the emotional experiences that you have in your life, right. good or bad, but it's not going anywhere. They're going to wait for you. It's part of this process of being a human and it sucks and it, and it hurts, but you need to go through that because she's not going anywhere. Yeah. You know, she is fixed. And so we don't think about that very often. And it's so easy to put a Band-Aid to create a distraction. Well, what happens when you do that? It just builds up and builds up. And if you're, if she's just sitting waiting for you, well, she's just going to create more of that negative anima, you know, subconscious energy. And we're going to even fear it even more. But it's truly like you have to come and you have to sit with it. And that flowing water, you have to sit with that. There's absolutely no way to avoid our emotional reflection. It's something that if you do, it will be your spiritual demise. And it will actually lead to your mental and physical demise as well, because it will just eat at you. Because you're no longer touching this everlasting spring. You're no longer doing well. Right. You know? You're doing good. You're doing I'm good. <laughs> I'm fine. Everything's fine. Like, oh, same shit, different day kind of thing. Right. Like, no, that's not a way to live. Right. Like, we have to go down there and we have to explore that. And it's, and she's always waiting for us and she's been waiting for us forever. You know, she will, she will always kind of stay there fixed and waiting um, for us to learn this natural law that she holds in our hand. And we can sit on our lap and she'll be the greatest teacher and she'll teach us love in ways that we can never explain. She'll teach us, you know, insight of things that we can never put into words, but you have to come find her and you have to meet her with purity at this temple, you know, and that's, what's going to actually 
pass you through this portal. Right. Um, because that's exactly what we're kind of looking at here. But it, it truly is. It's this, there's a reason why it's this fixed sitting energy. And that plays a huge role. And, and again, you want to look for these little things in the tarot. Like you want to see these these correspondences because this is how you're going to better understand truly what's kind of being presented here, you know. And and we're kind of making our our way up through this this card, but this this aspect that she's stationary and she's not moving, she's not on this journey. But you know, because you can't, you know, it's like that idea of like you can't run away from your problems. Like wherever you go. There you are, right. you know, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, like, oh, I, I'm going to like skip out to another country and I'm going to live there. Do I really think that the things that give me troubles in this reality that I'm in are just going to dissipate? Like, yeah, if you get into like a nice warmer environment, it might help you do that work on yourself a little bit more. Like if you get out of the hustle bustle of a cubicle and you get a job that's more satisfying to yourself, yeah, maybe you have a little bit more space and time to explore your emotional nature and your emotional landscape. But if you, you know, you can also go over there and just create as many more distractions. You know, it's, you have to go down there and kind of deal with this and sit with those experiences. You have to feel what you're going through. Um, that's where the lesson is. And again, you might not be able to explain it. It might be very confusing. It could be almost feel like you're getting damned. But it's important. And if you can make through that and you sit through that emotion, that water becomes still again. And we can actually see our reflection. Those ripples happen when we have breakups, when we lose loved ones. And again, I'm not saying that that experience is easy on my end at all. You know, if anything, it, as I've learned to love more, it, it almost hurts me more when I lose a loved one or when I lose a relationship because I'm experiencing love in a bigger aspect. But you still sit with it and it might, you might feel more pain. And that's a tough thing about spirituality because you do become more sensitive to your environment. You become more sensitive to other people's feelings, right? And so there's more aspects of ripples that can kind of come up. But it's sitting there and waiting for those ripples to dissipate and actually sitting with it that we again can see our reflection. And if we actually sit there, our reflection is going to reflect back to us a richer character, you know, a, a bigger heart and a bigger capacity to love. As long as we're not just, you know, running away from that right. and just avoiding that reflection all in all, if that makes sense. Absolutely. No, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's what's great about what you're saying and the reason I agree with what you're saying um, while I sit here uh, is when you do look at these images, there are certain components to the images that are not going to give themselves up so easily. And this is one of those, um, her sitting. Uh, I remember when we were talking, you didn't even tell me, hey, did you realized that you just started talking about it. And as you were saying that I was sort of realizing as it, Oh my gosh, I didn't even like pay attention to that because you know, you're looking at all these things like the next component that you talk about the card is an obvious one. Right. And then the next one after that is not, not obvious, but you're like, okay, I see the symbol. I see the, the image that's, you know, um, there for us to interpret, but the more powerful one is the one that it doesn't lend itself so easily if you're not ready to understand the information that's being presented to you in such a subtle way, like her sitting, you know? Um, because I mean, that being said to move into the next one that I think is in interesting that I already, you, you know what I'm saying? Like overlooked is that she has the cross on her chest and you're thinking, okay, well, 
we've talked about this before. We talk about the vertical and the horizontal as above, so below. We talk about the planes of existence that cross into this. But again, to go back really quick to her sitting, that was pretty easy for me to just be like, oh, like, well, of course she's sitting because she's waiting for you at this, um, you know, what would be so-called the Temple of Solomon, or she's waiting for you at this, you know, crossover into the underworld, or she's waiting for you uh, to have this understanding because she has a very stern and fixed look on her face. Um, but now when you put it into the way you did, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, no, it's not just waiting. It's, you know, are you, are you just traveling? Are you just moving around? Are you doing just action or are you more passive? Like I am and giving yourself the time you need to sit with this and um, let it really change or help you evolve in, in your journey into another realm of consciousness. And I feel like that's what she's doing right there. And then, you know, so, yeah. Absolutely. And again, you know, we come back to this aspect of the feminine being the housing unit of this energy. It's right. a fixed form, you know, where consciousness and that number one is that Brahma, you know, it is, it is just that universal principle of life. But the universal principle of life needs to unfold in an eternal universal principle. And that's what we're seeing with this card, you know, and that's what we're really going to kind of be approaching here. This is, you know, Brahma, which is that initial consciousness, mm -hmm. it is what it is, but it's impersonal. We need this personal connection, you know, that one, my father, I do not know in heaven, right? It's, there's no form, it's impersonal. How do I get to know my father in heaven? Through its form and its housing unit in this reality, which is five sense reality like we're perceiving, right. which is fixed, or we perceive it as fixed. And this is also how we study the sun. How do you study the sun? Not really by looking at it directly. You know, you can sun gaze in the morning, but again, you're just seeing it in its birthing, or you can see it in its dying stage. But the only way we can actually truly look deeply into that sun for a very long time is through this reflection of this fixed energy of this of this moon lunar energy, you know? And so we do, we have, again, a paradox. This whole card is full of paradoxes because it's nonlinear. Like you think about fixed, water's the last thing you would think about, mm -hmm. you know? But the unit, but the, what this card is telling you is this like, no, it's the most fixed thing in the world. It's what brings life in. It's what takes life out. Right. It's the ultimate fixture. You know what I mean? We just can't perceive it in our linear minds. We're like, no, it's splish splashing all over the place, you know? But it's just like, yeah, and your limited understanding, it truly is. But we're understanding here that this is deeper wisdom. This is the universal aspects of consciousness and how we can actually perceive this. And so this 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 feminine container is how we actually can connect to that to that high universal life force of the most high. Um, you know, if the if the number if that first step is willpower, well the second step is to imagination and how we can actually perceive and discode this very deep energy um, that everything is born from and where everything will return. No, well said, man. Well said. And I think like again this card is so heavy. Um, when you look at the symbols, when you look at everything that's in there, 
it's kind of hard to compose yourself because you're just sort of looking at it from so many dimensions. Um, again, when you look at the card and, and, and you see it for yourself, you know what I mean? And hopefully the card is right there. Like I said, in front of you, if you're listening to this episode, and if you already did listen to the episode, I'd suggest you go back and even just like look it up on the internet, try to find the image and, and try to find it in color. Cause I had it in black and white and I have my own deck uh, also that I can look at, but in colors is imperative just because then you can see, um, you know, the powers that be here with, with what they're trying to show you beyond the veil. And I think that's, what's interesting about this is that, you know, even though there's some obvious, um, symbols, there's also not such obvious symbols, you know? And so it's pretty interesting. Um, you know, like, again, we talk about the moon and, Oh, bless you, sir. I think that was my first sneeze on the podcast ever. <laughs> Somebody let me know. I'm sure somebody's like, nah, you sneeze in episode 32 and your sneeze is not very fun sounding, but, oh. Well, She's just sneaking you. out. She wants us to say more. She's I know, just I like, know. hey. Um, well, I mean, so so we talked about the cross on her chest, and we move up into uh, the crown she wears. And, you know, we already talked about that lunar energy, but the crown itself, you know, has that this, this very, you know, evident um, way of representing those lunar phases, those, those, those phases of the moon, um, you know, with... Uh, with what she wears on her head. And I think that's interesting because again, we already talked about it, but now it sort of makes a full circle on everything we started off with, you know? Right. Um, because again, it's at, it's at her feet, but it's also at her head. Right. You know? Uh, and I think that's very, very interesting. Um, you know, and also like, as we kind of moved past that, um, one thing we do want to be aware of too, is like, we speak of this, like it's a female, but oh, do right. you know? If it's a female? Yeah, we and don't. We, and we, we go back to the magician card, and you really start looking at that, and we speak of it as a male. But do we know if it's a male? We go to the fool card? Do we know that that's a, you know, we don't know. And and this is what it's saying. All this energy is internally within us, you know? And it doesn't matter. This is going to be whether we're male or female. All this is going to be a component that's within us. And I think that's this kind of beautiful aspect. And And you're right. We have that. She's got that beautiful crown, the crown of Isis, right, Hathor? And mm-hmm. and we really do. We have the the process of that moon from waxing to full to waning. And you know, one of the one of the the first thing we want to kind of look at because this is going to really kind of touch on a couple things. But you know, in this 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 phrase that I'm about to say kind of really just kind of goes to the whole card. But again, what we're trying to do here is. Instead of trying to embrace the known, maybe we should let the known embrace us. And that's what we're looking at here. Instead of trying to embrace the known, maybe we let the known embrace us. And this is going to be aligning ourselves with these lunar cycles, these patterns, um, connecting to the ebbs and flow of the moon, connecting to the ebbs and flows of the ocean, connecting to the ebbs and flows within ourselves. And so we do, we have this birth you know, life, death aspect. And what this is really representing too is that the high priestess rules the past, the present, and the future, you know? And what she's showing here is everything that you see in this moment, in the zeitgeist, in this, in the, what we call the now, is a reaction from patterns and cycles that were put into place in the past, you know, and unfolding, and those waves are collapsing, you know, and and what this is telling us is to honor our past. We have to reflect on our past. That active masculine principle is only looking towards the future. Do, 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 right? 
and it's not reflecting on the past. If we don't reflect on what actions have done for us in the past, then we're living a blind life and we're not actually being able to see in the dark what this aspect is wanting us to look at. And so we do. This is calling the the importance of, of your past. But this is also all past. This is the history of your blood. This is the ancestral understanding. This is the Akashic records. Like we have to understand that we are built off of all the consciousness that has preceded us. So we speak about like, oh, I wish I was in this time frame. Right. Um, you wouldn't be you. Consciousness has collapsed its waves to allow your personality and your soul to blossom what it is. If you were alive 400 years ago, you wouldn't know that person. Like, yeah, okay, the, your inner thought would be the same, but who you were constructed as a person, how you perceive this understanding, no, this is built on, we stand on the shoulders of giants. So everything in the past, every human experience that we've gone through is actually what's creating this moment that we're in. Right. And so, you know, people always say that when I'm like, everything's a result of a cycle and pattern that's been put into place. And they're like, no, because like, I don't control everything. And I'm like, I'm not saying you're the master of cycles and patterns, bro. Right. Like you think you create it all? No, there's other individuals, there's other events, you know, cataclysmic things. We are still subconsciously affected about whatever that flub was. We have literally a global amnesia about that. Intuitively, we still have anxiety about whatever that flood was that every generation talks about, right? We can't even approach it. Like we can't really even perceive what happens because we literally have like this universal amnesia to it. We are built on everything. The tragedies of the world wars, that pain, that's within us. Right. But also the love, that connection, you know, the, con the, the creating of the pyramids, that's within us, right? You know, you think about this, like, you know, you think about silver and its connection to this, um, to the sign of the moon, right? Which is like the alchemical metal. Right. Silver is, is a precious metal like gold. Do you ever think about like how often they have to melt these precious metals to reform them into certain things. Like, do you realize like your wedding ring could have gold that an Egyptian pharaoh held in its hand because it's recycled energy and it gets melted down? Like, do we understand consciousness works the same way? And it's just this molting and refolding and repositioning. And we are our ancestors. We're just a different permutation, but we, we partake in in that aspect and we're a continuing of that evolution and that's why it's so important for us to evolve and this is why it's so important to know our history because if you don't know your history your life is an ultimate mystery and this is why we have to culturally understand you know this is why it's so important if you have african heritage to learn about your african ancestors and the spiritual practices if you have european heritage it's important to learn about your european hesters you know and their spiritual practices everybody in the world has this unique connection and you need to kind of maintain that because that's part of who you are and this is what that that moon that's looking to the past is do you know your history mm -hmm. how the hell are you going to do your future if you don't even know what happened to you in the past and we are we are so blind to the true history of this world you know there is so much unknown and you know we've seen it with media you know, we can't even trust the, the history that they wrote about two hours ago. 
how are we supposed to trust these damn books that they write? You know, like, this is how they kind of keep us in this illusion. And this is how they kind of keep us in this, in this aspect of like, oh, we're just cockroaches and the earth is dead. And, you know, it's just this molting bowl. It's this dead rock that just floats through space. And you're like, really? Right. Really? Like, that's what this is all about. When I die, I'm just going to turn to dust. And you're like, okay. You know, like, we don't know that. We've lost that connection. This is what she's begging because she is time. You know, she is that all human imagination, all of human want, you know, the, the, the freedom that we actually do get to participate in this modern world was a desire of the past and it's actually unfolding. And this is why it's so important for us in this present moment to hold higher ideas about the future, because if it's in a thought, if one person has that thought, anybody can have that thought. And even if they burn us all alive, just like how they burnt people in the Inquisition and they tortured them. Those thoughts of self-unfoldment, those thoughts of finding the universal God within ourselves still maintain. And there's nothing they can do for that. They can never just keep chopping the grass because that's a perennial philosophy and it's a universal code that's within us. And so this isn't only talking about your past experiences of your cycles and patterns, but also the universal cycles and patterns that have brought your environment into the place you are and kind of your consciousness. And it truly is. And it's highlighted in the full awareness of the full moon. And what do we have in the full moon? Energy. Right. You know, as a school teacher, I knew when the full moon was coming. It was an active time. Like that was times that I would really try to do like games and group activities and get them out of their seats, you know, because there's no way I'm going to do a lecture on a full moon because these kids are going to be jazzed, you know, like it's, it's this interesting thing. Like I would actually kind of bring in like almost like treats on those days to almost like distract them from their energy and like Mm. keep them eating or something, you know, because like there was so much kind of energy and you know, I know you've worked in healthcare and like that whole profession. You've talked to nurses. They'll tell you a full, they'll be like, and we always speak about this, but they might have no astrological or esoteric connection, Oh yeah, but they're aware of full moons, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Everyone collectively uh, just has this moment where they just kind of put their opinions away um, and they just say, brace yourself for what's coming. And it's kind of fascinating because again, there's no need to even go deeper than just this intuitive understanding everyone is going to turn on for like at least the evening. It's just mm-hmm. kind of fascinating. It's like, Oh, this is what's coming. Brace yourselves. It's like, mm-hmm. no one's like, brace yourself for what? Everyone's like, Oh yeah, I know what you're saying. Mm-hmm. You know? And that, and that goes with so many other things uh, that we talk about as human beings and superstitions and everything else that you want to categorize for that mystical uh, forces that we can't explain. We do this all the time, you know, whether it's you're knocking on wood or you're just understanding that there's a full moon and your patients are about to go bananas. It is pretty fascinating that we kind of let our guard down for a split second in order to just embrace that energy that will be coming. So that's why I think it's imperative that in this card, you know, you have this, this in plain sight moon energy. That's like, Hey, you know, do you understand what this is? Do you understand what this water represents? Do you understand um, what lies behind the veil? What lies behind me? Um, So you're absolutely right. Right. No. And and you know what this moon is telling us too, is the difference between the word, Apart and part. When we say we are a part of everything, A actually negates that. And so what it does is it kind of gives us this lonesome aspect and like we're isolated from the whole structure, but we're not. We're a part of history. We're a part of human consciousness. We are 
we are partaking in it and it's mm. partaking through us, you know, and that's what this moon is. And that's what that heightened awareness is. When we understand that we're not a part of the human experience, we are part of that human experience, right. you know, and that's, that's this unique energy. And then we see that, that moon kind of going off into the future as well, which is just as important. And this is actually where we plant the seeds for the future is in this, in this dark, deep womb that this feminine energy kind of contains, yeah. you know? And, you know, you kind of think about that aspect of like, again, it's thought, emotion, action, right? But do you actually own your thoughts? Your thoughts are kind of working through you. Your thoughts are kind of a train. And so people are always like, well, I, you know, your, my thoughts just kind of come at me and I can't change my thoughts. Well, this is where you plant the seed for a higher thought expression, which is in that womb. And so if you want to start having higher holistic thoughts, you plant that seed in the womb to be able to generate and pull in that higher thought energy. You know, if you just stay on your, you know, your cell phone and you get stuck on the wheel of social media, yeah, it's going to keep your thoughts kind of stuck to the ground. But if you can plant seeds of, I want understanding, I want to know truth, I want to heal myself, you plant those in this, the, the womb of the sacred feminine. And that gives birth, but this is what everything kind of comes out. Just like, you know, just like the womb is this dark aspect where the soul goes into the body. Well, we plant the seeds in the darkness and then we wait for that sunlight, which is that thought attention to come and impregnate those seeds and blossom something greater and blossom something more beautiful, a fruit that's actually worth picking rather than this repetitive group think that we kind of find ourselves in. That's just like, well, the Google article that my phone shot at me today said this, and so this is what I think. You know, it's, it's again, this is such a limiting aspect, and we're limiting ourselves by not connecting to the ultimate World Wide Web, right. which is universal law and this holistic understanding and this connection to the past and the kind of connection to these almost these Akashic records. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Again, this is why this card is, or not even this the card, but everything that we're talking about here has this weight to it. And I think that's what's interesting is that, um, you know, the card as light as it is in your hand in the physical realm, it has this deep weight and depth to it as you look at it visually and it has you interpret it and how it internalizes and, you know, within you it is, is just, it's magical, man. Mm-hmm. It's, it really is. And so, yeah. Um, you know, beyond the veil that she has is what I always thought was going to be something of like this super, super long conversation. I was like, oh, we're going to nitpick everything on the card, but we're not going to like, are we going to talk about what what's behind her? Are we going to talk about the pillars on either side of her? But you're absolutely right. You know, um, back, going back to what we just spoke about, you know, having this understanding of our past and having an understanding of what she's trying to to really say to us is the ultimate, um, it, it, it has this, this, this like, um, I don't know how to explain it, but it's back to how we ended up re-recording this, but it has this way of reaching your unconscious that, that's sort of, um, I don't know. It's sort of hard to, to speak about as you interpret it, but it also, that's how all of the mysteries are. You know, right. it's just like, you really want to, you want to go into a spiritual realm and that's great, but just know that the the depth that it has um, is endless. And I feel like that's, I mean, even just talking to you the second time around about this, even though we studied about a month, almost a month on this card, um, 
has me just feeling like, you know, oh my gosh, I just completely missed a lot of these um, beautiful points you're making right now. Um, so, you know, I'm thankful for that. I really am because you shouldn't overlook this at all. And none of the, the things we talk about should be overlooked. You know, we're not experts on any of this, but we are just always discovering more. And the more we know, the less we we claim to know, but the more we want to discover um, and go back to to um, take a second look. And I feel like that's what we've done with this card. Well, you know, it, we reflected on it, which is so perfect because that's what this card wants, you know. And it's it's so true, man. And like, I love that connection too, because like we truly do, we inherit the future and the present from the past. And that's really what she's, she's really kind of calling us in at this moment to kind of be aware of. And, you know, it, it's true. It is this thing just kind of, it just kind of really just kind of keeps unfolding. Yeah. And it really just, you know, it really kind of puts everything into a unique perspective. And like, you know, we really start to kind of, um, think about this, this aspect of paradoxes that she kind of creates. And again, you know, um, talking about that, that Michael Cesarian article, you know, he, he creates a great question and he's just like, where's the flame before you strike the match? You know, and like, that's this unique right. kind of think of like, where was the flame before you struck the match? And this unique kind of connection that this paradox kind of creates, it's like, do we, create our thoughts with our mood or does our thoughts create the mood? You know, there's this energy that's hidden within us that if we can activate, we get this new insight. And that's what we're looking for here is this planting this seed for this, this kind of creation of, of something kind of different. And this really, this kind of heightened awareness that we are, that we are kind of looking for here. Um, and so, yeah, this, 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 you know, the veil and the crown that she's wearing. And, you know, really quick too, it's, I think it's important to understand that, 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 that water that's flowing through her dress starts at that highest aspect of her consciousness. You know, it's coming from that veil and it's coming from the past and the future. So she's got that intuitive connection, that flow going with that in the past and in the pre in the future. And that's, what's able to kind of give her this, this unique kind of stable present kind of look. Um, but I love that you are kind of talking about this veil because we do have kind of an interesting backdrop, right? That's, that, that's behind her. That's very kind of unique and it, and it kind of veils something that even goes beyond that. Um, but did you want to kind of talk about what, what's right behind her, um, with the fruits? Well, so, so we have the fruit. No, and so what I was talking about, which again, I'll, we'll say for very last was, you know, what lies beyond the pillars, you know, okay. beyond the veil, um, which I thought was interesting because even when you go looking for more information on not just the high priestess card, but you know, what's going on in this card, even when it talks about, again, I, I know I mentioned the temple of Solomon and we talk about, you know, the, the idea of what these pillars are that are on either side of her. I hadn't realized, you know, that the only thing way beyond, um, you know, going through that temple was, was just water. And again, I right. want to save that because we talked about that in the beginning and I mean, I guess we can bring it up now, but yeah, I, that, that was the thing that really kind of just took me by surprise is that I'm like, okay, what lies behind that? And what is this veil? And so, yeah, well, we'll talk about the veil and the pomegranates um, and the fruit that, that goes with it and, and the seeds that we've talked about and what sprouts from the seeds. But is there something that you want to really break down within that, that veil? 
Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you bring up the good part of, you know, because it's not just the fruit, it's the seeds. And so the pomegranate was chosen here because it's it's a fruit that we actually enjoy by eating the seeds of the mm-hmm. pomegranate, which is different than most of the other fruits. Right. We eat the fruit. And so what this is saying is it's given us this understanding of this is the seeds of life. This is the seeds of the past. This is how we create the future is by the ingestion of this pure pure fruit through the seeds so it can blossom within us. So we are planting the seeds in ourselves by this ingestion, planting seeds of, you know, fruitful abundance. And like, you know, you have pomegranate and it's got that that deep red to kind of connect us with, again, like the blood and that understanding of, you know, your your history and how there's there's history in your blood and your bloodline and especially the maternal bloodline. Right. You know, again, we we really have to connect to this. The reason why men were able to name the children with the last name is because they were like, what the hell? None of this kid is me. And then so the people at the time were like, well, how about you get a name him? What if he became James' son? And he's just like, okay, okay, now I'm okay with that. But it's yeah. because you get so much stuff from your mother and you get so much stuff from that maternal line. And again, this is a, a very deep study for us to look into. And now if you're like your fourth house has um, like a Capricorn energy to it, you do want to like look into your your father's line. And you, of course, we want to look into your father's line. But again, your father's line is is more the light of day. You say your father's line very often by saying your last name, right? But this mother aspect of your history is hidden. And it's, and it's something you have to go searching for because you don't actively are known by it. It's it's kind of this hidden aspect because you don't usually go in most cultures by your mother's name. Right. You know, and again, this is what makes special cultures really unique, like the Spanish culture, where they still maintain that and they actually give that as a part of your component, where in some Western cultures, a little bit more of the that masculine energy was kind of championed. And so we kind of lose connection to that feminine aspect of it. But this is what it's talking about. It's those feminine seeds and that the aspect that we're eating the seed of the fruit to give blossoming. At no point is this, is the high priestess, this kind of chill and just sit back and like eat the fruit that's already been bared because, you know, it's more of this understanding of what your seeds have planted for you what the seeds have created in the moment and what seeds are you going to plant in the womb, which is your subconscious, that right side of the brain to kind of pull into your life, right? And we really do, we want to impregnate that right side, holistic, intuitive aspect with our higher desires of self-unfoldment and self-expression for it to later blossom. But what's so beautiful is what these fruits are really actually containing um, is the Kabbalah which is the tree of life. And this is going to be a subject that we really, really kind of get into. And one of the most beautiful things is is the component that those moons are pointing to are the masculine and the feminine representations that start the tree. And now we'll get into the Kabbalah and the tree of life. And really, when you talk about the Kabbalah, you really can't talk about really any of the Sephiroth being male or feminine, because it actually corresponds to, you know, what's above is masculine and what below is feminine. So it's this whole cycle of energy. But what she's pointing to is this aspect that the masculine and the feminine are part of the components that she is. And it's pointing to this. And these are actually the Sethras of the Tree of Life. And this is actually 
the gateway portal to the mysteries. And we are approaching the tree of life. We will approach the Kabbalah and we'll talk about all the sephiras and, and what that component is because it's, it is the essence of the God force. It is the universal law and it really breaks it down um, in a unique way. And that's going to be something we're really approaching. Um, and it truly is. If you, and it's the thing is, it's, it's not even a veil behind her. She is the tree of life. It is that sacred right. feminine understanding, which is how these energies flow through us, which is just like water and how the energies of God emanate within this, this structure of experience that we find ourselves in. And she is that emanation. She is that housing unit. Um, and even where we see her face is located, her face is located on the Sethra of Doth, which is the hidden um, Sethra, the one you don't speak about because her information is beyond words. It's beyond articulator articulation. It's beyond the linear thought. And that's what she composes. But she actually is the tree of life. The tree of life is not apart from her. She is the tree of life. And you're right. And that's veiling. If we come to this universal mother and we learn these lessons, you're right. What is in the background that's waiting for us? What goes beyond that veil? Oh, the there? water, you mean? Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's again, why I like that when we started this, we had this conversation. And I think that was the problem with the last time we recorded this is that we didn't really have a way to sort of introduce why this component of water was going to be such a uh, prevalent uh, topic with this card. But now that we have covered all that, I think that's why I, I was so excited to talk to you about it again once I sat with this, because it's true. I mean, what we see beyond the veil is nothing more than this, this still water. And it's not even, there's not even any ripples in it. There's not even any, um, it's just enough to let you know that it's water, but it's, it's, it's still, and it has this ability to kind of like take you to a place that, you know, again, when you look at all the symbols that are in this card, you think, oh, it's all there for, for the taking, you know, from the Torah to the cross in her chest, to the moons, to the pomegranates. And I'm so glad you're talking about the Kabbalah too, because that's something we did in the last episode that we just kind of barely touched on. And, I, and I'm glad that we're going to go back and really, um, you know, break um, that un that understanding down a little further than just from this one card. But again, the water beyond the veil, it's like, if you're going to cross through these pillars, um, this is what awaits you. And I think that's amazing. Right. No, absolutely. And I love that you brought that. It's stillness. It's not that flowing water. And so we actually, if we can understand the Kabbalah, if we can understand these 22 emanations of this universal life force energy, we truly can see our reflection in the stillness. And there's comfort in the still water to submerge ourselves and to go deep into that aspect um, because it's not turbulent. We can, we can explore down there. And there's this, again, this unique passivity and surrender that kind of happens in that realm. And it's, it's exactly what we are looking for. And I love how we have the, the water on the bottom and then we have the blue sky on top. And that's an aspect of as above, so below that we often don't think about in the waking day mm. of how that is a reflection of the water that's on earth is in the sky and how it shares that same kind of color. And it has that same kind of mysterious energy to us um, and that unique kind of component. And so, so we do, we have this, this water that's right behind us, um, but we can't forget about the, the portal 
um, that is right in front of us with these these two pillars that play such a dominant role, um, not only in the Kabbalah, which we're going to obviously get into, but into Freemasonry. Um, so many kind of components, so many spiritual structures are kind of created with this with these two bow, um, these two pillars that are going to um, bows and jacking, which is going to kind of represent this this aspects of this masculine and feminine force, right? Yeah, you have the dark and the light. You have like the negative and the positive, and I think that's you know imperative here. And we talked about this uh, with the yin and the yang. You know, you have not you're not missing the 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 one that meets the other. They both have a, a bit of each other in it because the bee that um, sits in black or the bee that sits in white on a black pillar, you know, faces the, um, or as a parallel has the white pillar that has the, the black J, uh, which is Yakin. And I think that's interesting that, um, you know, it's, it's right there again for the taking. And as you look at it and you're like, okay, you know, it's, it's, it can't be, it can't be one fully uh, without the other, you know what I mean? Right. A component of the other, you know, like I said, like in the, the idea with this, with this duality. Um, and, and it's interesting that you have to cross through these pillars. And, and I know we'll talk about that. You said, you know, you mentioned Freemasonry and we'll talk about the temple of Solomon. We'll talk about the, uh, meaning behind these, these, um, the, the pillar that you must cross and into that other, uh, realm here. But what I like about it is that, you know, um, I mean, I like so much about it, right? With this, with this idea, but like, again, we already kind of gave it up with what lies behind the, the veil. And I think you have to cross through here first, um, you know, um, and, and something I didn't ask you about that we were just going to talk about is, you know, is she a guardian of these pillars? You know, that's something I, I kind of like totally missed. I know we talked about her sitting, but I was like, Oh, next time I talked to Daniel, I'm like, is she, do you must must you pass through her first are you ready to pass through her first or you know what i'm saying like i yeah. never really that was something i was like just remember next time you talk to daniel um or even if you do your research like must you cross through her uh in order to get beyond the veil you know or are you just meant to see what lies beyond the veil so no i definitely think man i think that's what the tree of life is entailing is that's how you perceive through this veil and you understand this very powerful energy. And, you know, that, that aspect of how the these pillars contain their polar opposites needs to be a reflection in all of us. All of us, even if we're a male, have that internal feminine energy within us that needs to be explored. And just how the female has that internal of masculine energy that needs to be explored and needs to be expressed. Right. And the only way we can approach that is if we have gone face-to-face with that opposite perceived polarity that's within us between finding that internal component. But if you don't find that internal opposite within yourself, um, don't approach the high priestess. Right. You know, you can only, again, the only way you can reach holiness is if you are whole and you have to maintain and really incorporate both of these components into our lives. And so these these pillars play such a, a huge role in all esoteric studies from the East to the West. You're always going to see this. I love how you brought up like the Tao Ching with the yin yang. Um, we're going to see this a lot um, in really all cultures are going to kind of give us this presentation of the aspect of darkness and light. Right. Um, but again, this darkness does not mean bad or evil. It's more the womb that the light is birthed from. And we only can know darkness. You know, we can only know light 
if we understand darkness. And it's this interplay that kind of plays between us. And this is, again, why, you know, this understanding that, yeah, light is great and it illuminates, but it also veils, you know? And so it's kind of this this kind of unique kind of component, but it truly kind of stands as this portal. And what this shows is that all life comes through the female. You know, we think of this these two pillars as almost like the two legs of the womb mm-hmm. and how all life kind of comes through that. And it comes through that passageway. And this truly is a porter. This is a portal to higher dimensions. This is, you know, the the high priestess represents rites of passage, not so much a horizontal horizontal traveling like the fool is, but this is more vertical travel. Right. This is the jumping up of frequencies. You know what I mean? And this is this is really important to gain that higher bird's eye kind of perspective that we're all after to understand the how all these cycles in our life kind of play out. And so it's kind of interesting, man. We you know, with this aspect of the high priestess, we kind of again she 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 guides the journey. But it's so funny because in the magician card the number that was connected to it was the first thing we spoke about. And that's kind of how we're going to be closing our conversation today um, with this aspect of obviously she's labeled as the number two card, but to kind of even deepen our esoteric understanding, we're going to think about how she plays the role of the three card. But before we do that, let's, let's jump into the uniqueness of the number two. And I know we've covered this in like numbers in the past, but two is, two is a special container um, you know, it's this really unique kind of reflection that's kind of happening. And so, um, should we kind of start there with the kind of the conversation on this number? Yeah. I mean, we have the Roman number two, which I think is interesting. We talked about this, um, before, but yeah, let's go ahead, man. And so, yeah, and we do, we have this, this aspect of the Roman number two. And the, the great thing about this is it truly is the one separating itself to see its reflection. And so this too is really this process of the reflection of the self. And this is actually beautifully constructed in the, in the aspect of, of the, um, of the Roman numeral, because we literally have taken that, that single line and we've created its reflection, right? you know, and it's able to reflect on itself and one becomes two, um, and, and two is really able to kind of see its reflection for the first time, um, and you know there there's a there's a question there you know does does one you know is it stronger by duplicating itself and becoming two to be able to reflect or does it kind of lose that oneness and again we kind of start to see the paradoxes that even come with numbers and this understanding that what kind of comes from this um and and kind of this what twoness kind of brings into us and because it it again it it loses that one aspect and it creates dualism, which is a very deep lesson for us to go through. And duality can be very much a struggle as just as much as it shows us beauty. And so there's a lot of responsibility that comes with understanding duality. Um, But, you know, one has to duplicate itself to be able to reflect on itself. And this is the process of the mirror. The mirror, the water is always going to kind of have this, this kind of connection with two, um, but two does it gives us a little bit more and gives us a little bit more life. Um, it kind of represents those two pillars that we we're looking at that were just displayed on the card, you know. And it's going to the Roman numeral two is going to kind of connect us to even the eleventh card of the Torah, which is the Justice card. And so it's we're starting to see these unique kind of 
connections that are going to be kind of happening. Um, but it is, too, is just a, a fascinating number um, for even how it's connection with creation. Um, you know, two is, it's just unique. Like, even when you think about the Arabic letter two, yeah. it's kind of like this unique kind of like fat kind of feeling it's it's got a different shape that only it and five have that kind of connection with um and it's just kind of almost like the inversion of it but it very much is this kind of unique energy and you know two's got interesting properties to it two is the only number that when added to itself or multiplied by itself it actually creates the same product which is form which is the four right? Which is the four elements and actually bringing form into life. And so it doesn't matter if you add it to itself or you duplicate it, it creates the same product and no other number um, is quite like that. You know, one times one is one, one plus one is two. You know, no other number actually has that kind of connection that's unique to two. And it shows its connection with bringing life and bringing form into this reality. It shows that that num- those Roman numeral twos are truly are a portal to bring life into this reality. And it's it's exactly what we're kind of looking at. Um, and even if you look at a science fiction movie about the future and stuff, it's always going to be, um, portals are going to kind of look yeah. like that, you know? And so a unique kind of thing to think about and to reflect on of this aspect of dualism. And, you know, what is gained by the ability to reflect and, you know, what is kind of lost from that original oneness um, and that that completeness that one kind of has. And so, you know, one becoming two is this is this really important um, kind of understanding for us to to kind of take in and really understanding that one is that universal father energy um, that has no form and it's impersonal. And it's only when it becomes two that the divine mother can actually give us an expression of this feminine principle so we can kind of understand it and see its unfoldment and see this kind of unfoldment that's kind of coming. And and what the big lesson with this number is going to be is, you know, yeah, it's labeled as the number two card, but it really is the third card of the deck, right? right? And so if that number one is willpower and this number two is imagination and intuition, we're going to need willpower and imagination to put proper action in the place, as I think so I feel, so I act. And so it really kind of furthers that aspect of that trivium. And we can only do proper action when it's connected to the intuition, when it's connected to the imagination. And then we're actually holistically processing that component. And so, you know, and again, we we look at this this number two and we can kind of make our way as well into, you know, the the English alphabet letter. And that's probably where we're will stand with this this letter B. And thankfully, we actually have a B on this on this card. Um, and how unique is B? You know, B is the first time in the alphabet that we're met with a curve, feminine very much representing that curve. And in the B, it not only has a womb to carry our thought element, to bring it into creation, but it also has the breast to be able to nurture it with the milk and give it life and not only take it through the gestation stage, but also take it through the nurturing process, which is just as important. You know, gestation is very important, but if you don't actually nurture an individual, um, they're done. You know, you can bring life in, but it doesn't end there, especially with humans, because we're kind of just like, 
roly polies for the first nine months. You know what I mean? And so this this B component, this aspect of this womb, um, and and how it's the carrier of information and it's the container. We're seeing this. The A is those straight, sharp lines, direct energy of the sun energy kind of coming down. And this B is going to be the curves, the curves that we see in nature, the curves that can either seduce us to form or seduce us to look deeper into what the form is actually trying to present to us. Um, but it very much has this feminine kind of feeling to it, which kind of perfectly corresponds with this sacred feminine energy that is um, collected in this card. Well said, man. You know, one of the quotes that I really like um, from the um, 70 Degrees of Wisdom, which I highly recommend. I mean, there's like, again, a lot of books that we can uh, always give you um, reference on. But, you know, for me, I like that. And one of the things that I took away from the end is, you know, with this duality, you know, you can't be, you can't put anything into action unless you, you know, understand the possibility. And one of the quotes that are in the book is that it's, in its most positive aspect, the high priestess signifies its potential in our lives. Very strong possibilities we have not realized, though we can sense them as possible. Action must follow or the potential will never be realized. And that's kind of what you were talking about with, you know, so I feel, so I act, so I, you know, or, or, um, so I think, so I feel, so I act um, that you were just mentioning. And I think that um, this, it's just a, again, this card is like nothing else that I've really studied. Um, it, it's, it encompasses so much. And uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, dude, I think we've done like two hours on this. Did we? Yeah. All right. So it's, it's again, it, it just shows you how, and we're just scratching the surface, you know, it's, um, it's, it's something that I think we can revisit multiple times. And thankfully we've talked about so many other principles and so many other, um, esoteric significances that kind of can tie into all of what the high priestess uh, presents. But again, this is just the beginning, you know, um, you know, we're just, uh, we're just getting started. It's just the process of becoming with this letter B, right? Oh man. So, well, um, um, you know, we, cause I'm like, now I'm like scrolling through my notes. There's a lot more information. So either we'll do a second episode on this or what we will do is, um, probably do a little, um, little patron video. And I have another kind of fun patron video that's going to be kind of publishing too. Um, and so, but yeah, you're right, man. We're never going to, the high priestess is the esoteric and the occult. This is always going to be a subject that we study. Um, but, um, I think we, you know, I, it's impossible to put this into words, um, but I think at least we barely kind of scratched the surface today to at least kind of at I least start us all thinking about this kind of conversation and what this energy contains. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we haven't even talked about it in in, in the way that we kind of had an, you know, an issue with. It's just, you know, the reason we had an issue publishing the first episode, we didn't even get into that as much as we could have gone into Um because again, this information as heavy as it is, and I know that there's people out there and thank you so much for your reviews and one in particular with your reviews or your questions that you sent us through Patreon, you know, are, Hey, you know, thank you for being able to break this down uh, and simplifying it. And I'm like, I don't even know if we're really doing that as much as we're just, again, exploring this with you, you know, you're on this journey with us as we're sort of opening up, um, what these symbols actually represent. And for every symbol, 
the representation goes down a deep rabbit hole. And so for the symbols that are on these cards to just be kind of put out there, I mean, I know if you want to, you can go on YouTube and go, high priestess, and there'll be, you know, a number of individuals who are just like, here you go in three minutes. And it's great. I mean, I'm, I'm not uh, dismissing those individuals, but you know, what we're doing here is, is really trying to give you an idea of how deep the rabbit hole really goes, you know, mm-hmm. the essence, right? Yeah. The essence. And the you know, I was actually essence. talking to somebody recently and they used the word kernel. Like it's that kernel of information, you know, right. that deep sea. And I'm like, Ooh, I like the word kernel. Um, but um, but yeah, that's exactly it, man. And I always, it is just such an honor to have this conversation with you. You too, man. And, you know, and again, all the individuals that are conversing with us as they're in their car or they're on the treadmill and they have like, oh, I just wish they would say this or something. Say it out loud, put it in the universe. Like we all will hear it and everybody yeah. will kind of connect to that. And so it is important to, you know, to think about this stuff and put this out there because again, you have that thought. It gives the potential for everybody else in the universe to be able to maintain that. So again, it is just such an honor to be on this journey with each and every one of you. Um, And again, thank you for your support, like Eduardo was saying, with the reviews um, and just, um, you know, sharing this content, but more instilling this information. That's really what it's about. You know, that's all that we really care about is if any of this information helps you or a loved one you know, through a tough time or to get and gain a new perspective. That's all we really want at the end of the day. Yeah. I can't believe you just said that. I'm so happy you said that because that's something that, uh, so I already put a video together and, uh, I've been editing it and I guess I took some time away from editing it. And that's literally all I talk about. It's just like, we're not here to give you the information that you didn't know about, uh, a little more precise or specific. We're here to give you hopefully the inspiration to carry on as a better being in this planet, uh, and make your way back to the source of whatever source that might be, um, with love and truth. And that's really it. It's not really supposed to be a podcast about, we know more than the the person next door, or these are our qualifications, or these are the standards that we go by and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's not about that. It's about just being able to maybe hopefully pick something up that we're putting down based on what we've interpreted to be better people. Right, my man. You right. know, I, I saw a great quote by Edwin Munster from the Munsters. Oh, and I he's, like that. Do you love that? Yeah. When he says, you know, all oh, it doesn't matter the color of your skin, you know, where you are financially in the rat race, all that matters is the strength of your character and the size of your heart. And I, and I just love that kind of connection. I was always a fan of the Munsters anyways, as a kid anyways. I felt like we would have been great friends if they were in my neighborhood. But either way, lots of love to each and every one of you. And until next time. Until next time, sir.